There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hello and welcome to the Chase Down Podcast. I'm Carter Rodriguez, your host. Justin Rowan's got the night off as he gallivants around Cleveland. This podcast is being brought to you by Untuck It and Manscaped. Blue Wire. It's over! Cleveland is a city of champions once again! The Cleveland Cavaliers select Colin Sexton, Darius Garland. Here comes Sexton. Some rhythm. And he got it! Young Ball continues to wear him out! Hello and welcome to the Chase Down Podcast. I'm your host, Carter Rodriguez. Justin Rowan has the night off. He went to the uh, Cavs-Celtics game. He's been gallivanting around Cleveland. We're not going to make him work on his vacation. So instead, I have invited friend of the pod, uh, my former uh, Fear the Sword boss, David Zavak. Uh, Welcome to the pod, David. How's it going? Hey, happy to be here. Doing really good. Cavs Uh, Cavs are pretty competitive tonight. Cavs were competitive in just a very strange game that never had any rhythm, and it felt like the Celtics scored every single possession, which is what happens when you give up 39 points on 20 shots to Gordon Hayward. <laughs> um, yeah, this uh, this team still isn't very good on defense. Not sure if you heard. Um, how, how are you feel? How, how are you feeling about this team right now, David? I, I know that's a pretty general question, but I've been away, uh, Blizz conning it up, and. Uh, you know, I've been having to keep a lot of these thoughts to myself. So I just kind of like to get a sense of how you're feeling about the season uh, thus far. So I'll kind of start by ignoring your question and sort of starting with tonight. I, I had written the preview of tonight's game and I just thought, uh, given the lack of wings that the Cavs have in general, that tonight in particular was just going to cause problems. Um, I thought it might be more Tatum than... Hayward, but it was sort of clear that, you know, we might be able to guard one of them, but guarding two was going to be really tough. Um, and it was. So they chose to guard neither. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, but in I, general, I, like, I think they're kind of on this like danger zone where we thought that, or I thought they were going to be really, really bad. They got like a couple nice nice wins and they've been competitive in all of these games but i'm like worried that they're gonna like wake up and realize that like they're still pretty bad and like they're not winning and like at what like when do you stop getting all world efforts from tristan thompson when do you when does john beeline get frustrated so um i don't think there's any like reasonable way to be upset at what they've done thus far. Uh, I'm just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop or, or some frustration to set in. Yeah. I mean, you could see it in the defensive effort today. I mean, it was a layup line in the truest sense of the word. And 
you know, even though they were very competitive in this game, you know, with Boston taking their foot off the gas several times, I mean, it was, I mean, it's about as ugly as it can get defensively in terms of effort and uh, personnel. Um, so, but I think we knew that it was going to be pretty ugly there, especially um, down uh, Kevin Porter, who, while he is not good right now, he's a tall person and they were playing Brandon Knight at the four for stretches in this game. Um, yeah, I don't know. The season started off in such a weird, promising way, but I, I can't help but be a bit of a wet blanket. So I'm going to assume your role a little bit. And, uh, you know, it's on one hand, I think Sexton's actually looked really, really good so far. Uh, on the other hand, uh, Garland is, I'm, I'm getting a little concerned. What do you think? What are your thoughts on Garland? Um, actually I'm not concerned. I'm a little frustrated. That's a better word. I think there's like two questions, right? Because I think on one hand, this team's been pretty competitive. And if you replace him with a replacement level point guard right now, they'd, they'd really be hanging in there in some of these games. Um, and I know he hasn't exactly like, you know, nuked the starting lineups that he's been a part of. Um, but at a certain point, you know, you plug in not ridiculous numbers for him, you know, and just, again, just sort of replacement level. And the team just looks a lot better. But that's a very short-term answer. Um, yeah, the so, thing with him that's interesting is when he's out there with the starters, I don't – I'm not sitting there watching him thinking, oh, this guy can't hang. Like, I think he does have a sense of the speed of the game offensively. Obviously, defensively, he can't hang, but almost no rookie guards can, and he specifically very much can't. He's just built like a kid still. Offensively, it's like I see him make mostly the right moves. He's got a tight handle. He generates angles. Um, he makes passes that I think are indicative of someone who knows how to run an offense. But the scoring is pretty ugly right now. And I almost think for me, I don't know how you feel about this, because we knew he wasn't going to be a particularly good finisher, at least early on, because um, he's weak and he's not super explosive. But the shot choices are just really odd right now. Uh, he's, I mean, how many times in drop coverage of this, against the Celtics did he just choose not to pull when he was wide open, even on uh, catch and shoots? I mean, you would think that he would build his scoring profile from the outside in, and he seems really resistant to do so so far, only taking uh, three threes a game on nine attempts a game. And I'm like, you got to get those numbers up, bud. Yeah, I think, like, again, it's it, – well, you know, I think, like, there's a difference between bad and, like, aggressively bad. So last year when – Colin Sexton was frustrating or, you know, and Deion Waiters first and second years, like not only were they not particularly good, but they were, they made it very clear to everyone that they were, yeah, they made it very clear that they were not good. Yeah. Like it, they, they were, there was no fading to the background at any point in time. And I think Darius Garland has not been that sort of like aggressive sort of bad. I think, the the negative pushback I would give on like the running the offense thing is that I think his assist percentage and and turnover percentages are are not particularly good um, given his low usage and um, 
you know, his true shooting rate is sub 40 right now. That's, that's sort of fine. I, I, I assume he's going to make threes eventually. And, and like you said, I, I assume eventually he'll get to a point where he's taking some of those threes because he's more comfortable. Um, but I do think I would like to see a little bit more uh, vision and that's probably unfair because he, he didn't show any of that in his, and see, I disagree. I disagree with that. He's not showing vision. I think that he is facing defenses that are not particularly afraid of him as a scorer right now. And the turnovers are mostly not coming from an inability to read defenses, but from uh, putting himself in positions offensively that he can't get out of. Um, over, over penetrating with not much of a plan. Um, you know, kind of doing that herky jerk stop and start stuff. And, kind of trying to figure out how to navigate length defensively. I don't think he's unable to see the passes. Do you, do you, do you really, do you feel like even though I, I don't know, man, I feel like the numbers do not support what I'm saying, but visually I see him making those passes. I'm definitely making a results based like claim here. And I think he has thrown some really nice labs to, to Tristan at various points in time. And um, he's already better at, um, getting Kevin love the ball than than even even though I'm I'm pretty happy with Colin Sexton right now he's already better at it than that yeah I mean he's um, thrown good entry passes I don't know I think he's got a little bit more to that than his numbers show right now I think everything is starts and stops with the fact that he can't score the fucking basketball and that's I, his it, yeah. job I just think there's a difference between um I think there's a difference between like better than Colin Sexton and I'm excited about this. I don't think I'm excited about his passing. It's okay. Like once he is making 41 or 42% of his three point attempts, you know, I'll I'll come around, you know, and I'm not really even negative because I, I just assume he's working back from some stuff, but, um, but who knows? Yeah. Rowan's going to yell at us for this, isn't he? I mean, I, I, I'm already seeing people on Twitter saying, I see the Garland Wars have started. I'm yeah, just, just sort of refusing to draw any conclusions at all. He's not shooting well. I don't really care about that. It's been seven games or whatever. Um, he's a better passer than Colin Sexton. I don't know that that's exciting, but it's true. Yeah, I think it's enough to see some. I think his, his passing is a little better than advertised, even if it's not great. I think his shooting has obviously been worse than advertised, but not in a way that I'm concerned about. It's really more the profile that is bothering me. I don't really care if he takes seven threes and only makes one of them right now. I mean, right. Uh, how, how poorly did Trey Young shoot from three his rookie year? Um, uh, pretty bad for huge stretches. Uh, but he took them and generated that fear in the defense. I mean, we, how often do we talk about the idea that Gravity is something generated by volume much more than it's generated by accuracy. Um, you know, guys who Rajon Rondo, it feels like every year someone is people are like, oh, he shot 40% from three last year. But people still don't guard him because he doesn't shoot very many. He only shoots them when he's wide, wide, wide open, and it takes him forever to shoot. Whereas like someone like Marcus Smart, who is an objectively horrific three-point shooter, um, and takes a lot of them, so we know he's bad. Uh, he still has, you know, decent gravity just because he takes them. And I just – I can't abide by seeing Garland um, passing up open threes. Like, that should be 
the first thing he looks for, and then everything else can be a fallback option. As I said, he needs to build his offense from the outside in because as we've seen with Steph, you know, I think uh, us Cavs fans are, are we're pretty much uh, sometimes alone in saying like, hey, he's not an elite, elite, elite passer, but his shooting opens up insane angles for him to make easy passes look really good. And while obviously Garland's never going to be a Steph level shooter, that can kind of be the way he builds his way towards being a really effective offensive player. Do you agree? Yeah. And if I have like an, both an aesthetic and a analysis sort of like view of things, it's that I can't stand high usage players that are not efficient. And I love high usage players that are efficient. Um, I agree. Yeah, to the to the detriment of like literally anything else. Like, um, and so for me, I, I'm kind of coming at it from a prior. Like, I'm not really going to get mad at Garland for being low usage when he's not comfortable, right? Like, what I normally get annoyed at is when dudes just fire up lots of shots even though they're not making them. So, I'm a big fan of him waiting until he's comfortable to do some of this stuff. Yeah, I just don't want his alternative to that comfort to be 17 foot floaters <laughs> like correct the, right the shots so, he's choosing to replace it with it i mean 11 shot attempts in 28 minutes that's not high usage but it's not like non-existent either right and but most I, of them were pretty low percentage attempts and i think there is like a line that needs to be drawn because a lot of people are saying like wow he really needs to get that floater because he's not going to finish at the rim well some of the best players in the NBA that have some of the best touch that we've ever seen, you know, you just mentioned Kyrie, like how often does Kyrie like really go to the floater and how long did we wait for him to try and develop that shot? It's not like, it's not something that very many people do because it's a very difficult shot. Yes. Yeah, super so freaking if, hard. It's if not we're high already percentage. like going to that as a must shot for him to have, I don't know that I'm I'm that interested in that. Um, no, I'm not either. And I think it's actually – and I don't think – I just think it's born of bad analysis. It's like if if guys are really pressing him from, you know, 25, 26, 27 feet out, then none of this is a problem because he will generate way cleaner drives where he doesn't have to use the floater because guys will step up on him and he'll make easy dump-off passes that – Again, he doesn't have to be, uh, you know, a Chris Paul level point guard with Chris Paul level vision to make. Like the 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 floater is a last resort shot in the paint. If you're going to shoot in the paint, that's probably the least the last thing you want to do. So I don't see why this is something we should be encouraging from him when he's turning down better shots from three. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I think people are looking at the floater versus a layup that he has no shot on, and I think you're right to say, well, let's let's just first take some three-point shots. Yeah, uh, if he needs to be a – like, I mean, the, the fact that Sexton is playing pretty well and that love exists on this team and Osmond can handle a little bit means – and the fact that Thompson is – scoring inside like gangbusters means that he doesn't have to put up 30 points a game for this team to be successful. He needs to look functional 
in in a good offense that has plenty of talent around him and people who can get to the score around the hoop around him. If he needs to be a Landry Shamet level specialist for the first third of the season, I'm cool with that. Yeah, no, and I think that's 100% correct. And you used my favorite basketball term, functional. Yeah. I think functional is underrated. I don't think Garland is functional right now, but I also think we're kind of just caught up in the moment. I don't think long term it really matters. Um, no, I'm, he's functional I'm not worried right about it. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. I'm, and that's why I changed when we started. I said worried, and I was like, oh, I'm actually a little frustrated because it's not that I have any concern long term. It's that I think it would be really fun to see him start launching from three a little bit more than he is. Um, and, you know, that's kind of – those are two very different feelings. Um, yeah. On the other hand, though, I mean, I'm just – I've been really, really impressed by Sexton so far um, and his ability to get to the line, um, his general – you know, it's like, it's funny because that, that kind of demeanor is something that we typically find ourselves mocking, um, you know, like as, a, you know, the tryhard Celtic kind of Marcus Smartian fuck you attitude. But he's just really fun to watch on this team. And he kind of refuses to let them lose sometimes. Like even, or, you know, he refuses to let games get out of hand or tries his damnedest to do so. Um what have you what have you seen out of Sexton and are you feeling any more or less encouraged than you were at the end of last season? I thought his uh energy level was incredible um tonight. I thought you know from this five and a half minute mark till you know thirty seconds left in the game um, I think kind of like I think your language was was correct in terms of he was just sort of um, committed to keeping them in the game or helping them get back into the game. Um, I still don't like a, a lot of the reads that he makes um, or he's just sort of fundamentally unable to make uh, the right read a lot of the time. Um, and maybe that'll come with time, but I think he's sort of working his way into um, – being valuable anyway in other ways, right? I think Marcus Smart is somebody that, like, just in terms of, like, his energy level and, and what he could potentially be physically, I don't think he'll ever be as smart as – or not as, as strong as Marcus Smart. But I think he can be that kind of a nuisance. Um, Justin compared him to Delonte West the other day, and I was sort of offended by that <laughs> – um, because uh, Delonte West is like one of the smartest players um, that I've that I've watched. Um, and Mike Brown always said that. Um, but in terms of you know that sort of game to model, I, I think that's probably smart. So um, yeah, no. I, I, if anybody's complaining, I think he's certainly taken a big step from uh from where he was last January and and I think we were wondering if he would be able to to continue that and I think he has so is he yeah I, go ahead I've, I've been um you know I he still gets hung up on screens uh I have been encouraged by his individual man man-to-man defense um and his general pestiness 
like whether it's effective or not all the time. I, I, I feel like I'm seeing him affect the ball handler a little bit more often and taking that challenge a little bit more aggressively, getting bullied a little bit less. Um, and I know the numbers don't support me here, but I, I do think he's playing much better defensively than he was last year. The The big step that I still want to see is I want to see that true shooting rate just get higher. Um, his usage rate is not a problem. His turnover rate uh, is not a problem at all. Um, his assist rate's actually gone down this year, which kind of makes sense given that Garland, Gar- Garland is initiating more offense. Yeah, for sure. but um, I, I think he was at 52% true shooting last year. He's at 51% now. Yeah, I th- he's actually at 52. I just checked NBA.com and they're oh, updated. They're, today. they're so updated. Today I'll get him to 52, which is, you yeah. know. But it's just because the three-point percentage is lower, to be right. honest. Yeah, so I think if he gets to that 54, 55, 56 range for this season, um, I, I certainly would definitely take that as a nice little leap, um, and I would feel good about that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've changed my opinion on Sexton's long-term utility. I think he's still a bench player, um, as much as I love selling Sexland t-shirts. Um which uh, I can't believe you haven't bought one yet, David. It's fine. Uh, you're a father. You don't need to waste your money on these sorts of things. Um, but, yeah, I think that ultimately, like, I think he's – I still think he's going to be a really decent, really solid bench scorer uh, on – and he can do that on a good team uh, down the line. I, I still think his playmaking deficiencies are his biggest Achilles heel. But overall, I think – with this team, I don't know, maybe it's maybe I'm just being, you know, a little glass half full here, but I'm just not super interested in a lot of individual stats this year. I just kind of want to see positive lineups um, because there were just so few of them last year. And all of a sudden, we start seeing Sexton and Jetty uh, and Love and Tristan in lineups that are working a little bit better than they were last year. And Given that growth, I, I can't help but feel like there's something getting better there, uh, even if individual numbers haven't grown significantly. Yeah, and I don't know. Like, it's weird because they're doing everything they can to sort of keep these lineups balanced. But, like, as long as Sexton and Garland and uh, Clarkson are out there for long periods of time, I just don't know what Kevin Porter Jr. and then Dylan Windler. They're playing a lot of players that are not going to help you win right now. Yeah, um, a bunch of kids. I mean, so isn't I, I uh, isn't Love the only player? Isn't Love the only player over thirty on the team? Uh, that sounds about right. Um, Thompson's yeah. getting close. There you go. So uh, it's not how you win basketball games, but that's okay. Right. Um, and, and so then it goes back to, you know, the, the conversation, you know, I was clearly a pretty anti Colin Sexton guy last year or whatever, but I think a lot of what people don't get is, is it goes back to the Garland conversation where there's two conversations. There's, okay, what impact is he having right now? And what does that mean moving forward? And for Sexton last year, it was, we have never seen anybody with these kinds of, of limitations 
of of like on off numbers in terms of of we we just hadn't seen it before it it didn't mean it doesn't have to be predictive um now have players with some of those numbers gone on to be good ever i mean there's not a whole lot of precedent for it but there's also not a lot of precedent for 19 year olds on really bad teams playing that many minutes yeah um, nor is there presence for them changing their entire play style mid-season right yeah no and having a coach that like wanted to leave like or or you know didn't who, they, they didn't who, who lost his love for the game coaching that team yeah um so there's any number of external factors but it didn't change like what was happening when he played um but it also didn't mean that I like thought he was a bad person or <laughs> would never be able to be helpful to a basketball team. And I think he has only done things that make you feel good about him off the court. Um, and like you said, I, I think his energy level defensively is exactly where you would want it to be. Um, and he was fantastic over the last six minutes of this game. Yeah. He was really, really fun to watch. And um it just shows you that there is, you know, there's something to that second year coming back, being built a little bit more like a man, uh, not being bullied quite as much, um, bothering ball handlers at the point of attack. He, I just thought he, I thought he was very, very good in this game. Um, and it's kind of a nice reminder that Garland isn't always going to be bullied quite like he's being bullied right now physically. Um, and it, it, it's encouraging, you know, uh, and uh, eventually Garland is is going to get a little hair on his chest as he gets a little older. And, you know, David, someday he might even want to shave the hair on his chest. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag the hair on your chest or, worst of all, the family jewels. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. And just in, it's worth noting, Justin, as, or Justin, I, I, every time I talk about uh, shaving balls, I just think about Justin. I'm sorry, Justin. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's really important to note that it's, it's pretty foul um, that so many men uh, among us uh, use the same trimmer on their face as they're using on their balls. That's just nasty. That's in the ad read, everybody. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. I will say, David, I, uh, I arrived back from BlizzCon with a, with a package marked with my name and, uh, a, and, a, and a Manscaped starter kit waiting for me. <laughs> so these people take care of their ad readers. Uh, and you know, uh, it, it's nice to just nice to know that uh, you know I'm I'm going to be taken care of. Uh, another way that men can take care of themselves, David, is to not have a button-up shirt and just wear it untucked, hanging around their mid thigh, 
looking absolutely terrible. And Justin, that's why we're partnering with Untuck It. The holidays are almost here, and you know what that means. Gifts. And what better gift to give to the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right? Unlike most brands, Untuck It shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. If you tuck it, you're a fool. Untuck It shirts always fall at that just right length, no matter the size, so he looks casual and sharp. Ever see an untucked button down? They look dot, 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 bad. That's in the read as well. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. And with the holidays near, there's no better gift for your favorite guy who needs an upgrade. Are you, are you a shopper, David? Uh, like, what kind of shopping? Clothes. Do you like going clothes shopping? Uh... More now that I'm old. I like sweaters. I think yeah. people know that I like a good sweater. <laughs> Big dad energy. Well, you know what? I don't like doing it. It, it makes me feel stressed. I feel like I, I've got too many options. I, I'm a real sucker for ordering my clothes online. And Untuck It provides that option with more than 50 fit combinations. Untuck It shirts look good on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite Untuck It style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. So, David, you can go get one at the brick and mortar store too. It's great. Choose from styles like wrinkle free button downs, so super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. No sweaters listed, but we'll get there someday, David. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, Bul- bulgy, yikes, I can't read, too long or too big again, and their website is so easy to use, they even have a whole page devoted to help you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It's the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use blue for 20% at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code blue for 20% off. Whew, David, I got to say, I, I say it every time, but when Justin's not here and I got to run through both ad reads, it's exhausting. <laughs> especially when I spend... You beforehand, at least, you know, maybe one of them. I don't know. Uh, especially when I'm talking about my balls this much. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, a, a little, uh, it's a little unusual, but, you know, I'm happy to support a great product. Um, no matter, no matter... Um, how, how private the information. So go ahead, support the pod, check out Manscaped and untuck it. Let's get back to Cavs talk though. Um, I think it's important that we have this discussion, uh, even though we definitely both agree on it. Cavs shouldn't trade Tristan Thompson, right? Uh, I mean, it just depends. Like if he's this good, they might actually be able to get some stuff for him. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what their timeline is. They're still talking about taking on bad contracts to get, um, you know, first round picks that would maybe suggest, uh, you know, that could suggest a different timeline than what you'd want Tristan to be on. But I mean, who knows? Um, so no, I mean, I think unless you are getting something, you know, actually really nice, I, I don't see why you would. Um, what is your what's kind of your minimum in terms of a of a worthy Thompson trade package? Um, like it, it, it's kind of like 
you would either want like a Karis Levert or <laughs> that's not going to happen. No, I mean, I mean, it would be like a packet, right? Obviously, like some sort of package for it. But um, you would need like a young player that you would be in good position to extend long term, you know, in exchange for, you know, Tristan and, you know, taking on a bad contract and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I I just don't think those packages are coming. I think Tristan probably falls in the late first category. Some bad money in, in a late first. Because, um, you know, those are the teams that would be ostensibly interested in trading for someone like Tristan, right? Like, you could imagine, like, a Clippers-esque team um, if they had any of their own first-round picks for the next 10 years uh, tr- trading for a guy like that. And I just don't really see that. Any, getting any of those kinds of players like is that is that kind of a non-starter for you just a late first and a bad contract that matches in salary yeah I mean the way he's playing right now that's that's ridiculous um I mean he was I mean so far he's been playing like a, a legitimate all-star yeah I mean if the team was better I think that's definitely fair he's averaging 17 points 11 rebounds, two and a half assists. I mean, he's 25th in the league in PER, for God's sakes, um, which, like, is kind of jarring. You know what I was thinking about uh, watching him? Not today, but I, against uh, – who was their last game? The Pacers? Or, no, the Mavs. Um, while I was watching the Mavs, and he was, he was playing pretty well in that game as well, and I just thought, isn't this kind of funny that this is probably what we would have seen for a long time if LeBron had never come back? Yeah, that's I, I had that same thought today too, and and I think what's interesting is, um, you know, he and Kevin Love fit really well together. Yes, um, they do. And I think there's a number of ways that you can sort of build around them. Um, not definitely not build, maybe not around them. You you know that you can build with them, um, and whether it would have been a Kyrie type player or. Or what? I mean, frankly, they they did build with them. They won a championship with that starting front court. So um, it's kind of nice to see them at least sort of justify how good uh, they are without Kyrie and LeBron. I, I wish they were still around, obviously, but um, they uh, they're both playing pretty well. Um, Would like a little more out of Kevin tonight, but um, it, it's he's been a pretty good player for a while. Tristan has, and, um, you know, I don't think he's going to be able to sustain this level of play exactly, but I, I do think he's pretty good. Um, I don't, do you think anyone knows how fucking good Kevin loves numbers are right now? Probably he's averaging not. 19, 15 and four on, on 40 or on 49% from the field, 42% from three. Yeah. And five free throws a game. Yeah. That's fucking crazy good. Is it possible to get like two all stars from a team that's like <laughs> you know seven and thirty five? Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and venture a no. Um, so. It is funny because we spent so much time talking about how the Cavs couldn't find any good lineups last year, and I won't deny that it gives me a little anxiety. That what if the only reason any of these lineups are good is because these two are just good? and they're definitively probably not going to be part of the next great Cavaliers team. 
No, no. I mean, maybe one of them would be. I mean, and it depends what you mean by good. I mean, you know, it's if Chetty Osmond is a is a player and Colin Sexton is a player and Darius Garland, you know, keeps growing, like, you know, I could see them being, you know, a decent team in two years. And if they're a decent team in two years, then – I don't know why Tristan Thompson at age 30 can't be a part of that. Um, That's fair. But I think being skeptical is probably the right way to feel about it. Yeah. I'm just a little worried that like these positive lineups that we're seeing, like, you know, like I'm talking about how, yeah, Sexton's efficiency numbers aren't, aren't much better, but like he just looks better to me. And I'm wondering like how much is that me, my brain tricking myself because he's just playing with two really good guys in the front court now and he played with Marquise Chris a ton last year. Yeah, and also, I mean, it's been seven games. Yep, 100%. Uh, I think your kind of comment about, like, like they're still getting pretty freaking good efforts out of those two. I mean, not so much from Love today defensively, but, you know, he he still makes everything look a lot better. How does that change if they fall 10, 15 games under five hundred? is there going to be a bottom dropout stretch? Um, because even though they're two and five, which you know no one would pretend is a good record, I think most of their games have been at least fairly watchable. I don't think this team has been not fun to watch for significant stretches. Would you agree with that? 100%. Yeah. No, and I, and I, I think the question is how long that lasts. But, I mean – the thing that they have going for them is they do have a bunch of young players who are trying to establish that they can play or are good. And then the rest of the team is guys on like one year deals um, that are trying to prove they still belong in the league or, you know, deserve a certain amount of money. So effort really shouldn't be too big of an issue for anyone outside of maybe Kevin Love. So uh, that's, that helps them too. Yeah. It helps, but also, like, Kevin Love's effort has a much larger bearing on this team's success than anyone else. Fair enough. So, I don't know. I'm I'm really interested by this team right now. I'm a little disheartened by Garland. I think maybe that set a negative tone early on in the pod. But overall, I am having quite a bit of fun. And I I do wonder how long this roster stays together. Um, in its current iteration, because like there are less obvious guys to trade this year than last year, I think. You know, Clarkson is by far of their expirings that no one likes that much. You know that that everyone's going to be pretty okay to see go. You know, like I think of that group, it's Delhi, Clarkson, Knight, and then Tristan is on the way high end of that. That I think people. Are, are probably much less interested in dealing at this point. And, you know, Clarkson is probably the only one who has any trade value, right? Like, well, Sean Davini actually said that teams are interested in Brandon Knight. That feels like a nice leak out of the Cavs front office after a failed showcase game. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, if, if teams are excited in Brandon Knight, then power to him. Happy to pick up a second for our trouble. But, you know, in terms of the, the roster, we might actually have these guys for a little while. Yeah. And I mean, there's, 
like I said, kind of going into the year, like the Cavs are the ultimate test case for whether or not expiring contracts have value because they have like eight or nine of them, none of whom were in top 50 free agent lists. And obviously Tristan Thompson looks like a top 50 free agent. If he's not, then I'd like to see the 50 players, but, um, but I think the Cavs are, are very, are, are probably open to trading any number of them. Uh, but whether or not they have value is, is a, is another question. And coming into the year, I think the answer was, was mostly no. I think Clarkson is sort of playing his way into it. Tristan definitely is. Um, allegedly people like Brandon Knight and I actually, I like Sean a lot, so I'm not trying to cast doubt on that, but it, it was not the first name I would have guessed or thought of. Um, no. so who knows? Yep. It is a weird space, uh, that the Cavs find themselves in with this, this end of bench roster. And, you know, uh, Ultimately, I think this team might be – the core of this team might not be as volatile as people think. I think these guys are going to have the opportunity to, for the most part, play through this year together, uh, health permitting. And uh, we're going to get a sense of who these guys are, you know. So much of last year was spent wasted with teams full of G-leaguers that, uh, you know, and two-way players like Jerron Blossom game who – never were going to make a dent on the roster. Almost everyone on this team that gets minutes um, right now plays a factor into the Cavs' uh, short-term future. So it's going to be really interesting to see what we can learn about this team. On that note, though, you've had a very long election day. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We can wrap it up here. If you'd like to support the podcast, please unsubscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, just cook those books for us. Exploit that faulty Apple algorithm. Uh, if you'd like to be a part of our exclusive Discord group chat, you can just email a uh, review of the podcast to chasedownpod at gmail.com. Uh, or you can just add Justin. Yeah, he, he's, uh, he's too disconnected right now, drinking at the Harry Buffalo right now as we speak. Um, we need to keep him sharp while he's away. So, David, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, Cavs are about to go on a three-game road trip starting on Friday at Washington, New York, and Philly. So probably 3-0 right there. Am I right, fellas? Uh, So uh, until next time, go Cavs.